This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm doing well. We're recording on a morning this time, which is a sort of refreshing change of pace because we normally record pretty late at night. And I'm sure that's uh, great for you since you're an hour ahead of me. It is. And I apologize if there's any kind of extraneous noise. It is New York City on a Saturday, so anything kind of goes. <laughs> right. Just uh, par for the city. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to say thank you all for letting our launch go so well this past week. Thank you to everyone who's listened. We've had great numbers so far, a lot of interest, and it's just been a lot of fun watching everybody sort of download and listen for the first time and tell us what you think. So I wanted to give just a few shout outs to people who we've heard feedback from so far. We heard from Malcolm H. through email, from somebody with the username Magic is Might through our website comments. From at Blue Hot Cheeto and at CJ Sace on Twitter, and then from Narendra Sabal on Facebook. So just a hodgepodge of social media all over the place. In fact, that's one uh, person from just about every single one of them. So very cool. Thank you all for reaching out. And I am very happy that you're enjoying the show so far. We also did have one listener respond to one of our discussion questions from season one. Uh, Ethan Small answered our question from Diversity Day. So I'll read off Ethan's response here. We were talking about um, our first experiences with The Office. Ethan said, The first time I saw The Office was on network TV and thought it was just weird. Later on, a teacher in one of my classes showed a hilarious clip featuring Michael Scott to illustrate a point. Don't remember what exactly, but that clip hooked me. Once it hit Netflix, I dove in both feet and watched the entire show. I quickly realized the utter brilliance of the writing, the acting, and the camera work. I fell in love with the characters and laughed out loud at nearly every episode. Looking forward to revisiting this amazing show with you guys. Well, we're looking forward to having you, Ethan, and everyone else. We're uh, really excited to keep going with season two. Yes, we are for sure. So everyone should definitely be reaching out as well. We'd love to hear your participation in the discussion topics that we've been including each episode and just to hear your thoughts in general. So continue to reach out to us, follow us and share on Facebook and Twitter, especially because that's really where we're most active. But you can comment on individual posts through the website as well. And you can also always email us. And as always, we'll get to this again later, but just consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes here early on because it's going to be a big boost to the show in helping us to find new listeners. And you can do that through iTunes or through the podcast app, if you didn't know, on your iPhone slash iPad, the default purple podcast app that comes on your Apple device. So let's go ahead and move into our episode discussion. So what do we got up first, Katie? We are starting off season two with one of my very favorite episodes from the whole series, The Dundies. This aired on September 20th, 2005, directed by Greg Daniels and written by Mindy Kalig. In our season two premiere, Michael is preparing to host the eighth annual Dundee Awards, which is sort of a presentation he puts on every year for his employees as a means of, quote, celebrating their, quote, achievements. <laughs> Michael's goal is for everyone to get an award, which sounds nice in theory, but it ends up sort of just being more of an opportunity for Michael to make jokes at the expense of everybody else and to dress in costumes and do generally offensive comedy, as Michael tends to do. Fights are had, feelings are hurt, chairs are fallen out of, <laughs> but at the end of the night, most involved have had a good time, and we'll talk about all the specifics as we go. So first off, Katie, I've just got to say I'm glad to be in season two because uh, writing my notes this time around, it was like my Michael funny section outweighed my Michael, oh man, look how sad this character is section, Finally. which is par <laughs> for the course for season two. It's so good. And even in this episode where we see Michael once again doing a lot of offensive stuff, still somehow way more likable. Yes, and part of that is the the hair plugs. He's not nearly so balding. Part of that is he's thinner. Part of it is just that I think he comes across as a generally more good-hearted guy as a whole, even though he does have, yes, those same typical Michael moments of being a little bit too offensive. And the whole theme of the show just seems a little bit lighter and brighter, too. I, I, I was listening to the commentary, and I believe it was BJ Novak who said, the camera work is, is brighter, the images are brighter, the comedy is faster. It's just a little bit more comedic and less, I don't know, 
<laughs> it wasn't dramatic before, but it this is just more obvious comedy, I think. Yeah, it's a little bit more lively. Yeah. I love that Michael thinks that these are so inclusive and sort of revolutionary. And I think he, his, his heart, again, comes from a good place with these awards. He, he really sort of does want his employees to walk away, all of his employees to walk away with some sort of award so that they can feel, quote, recognized. And in one of his talking heads, he talks about how people at another employer might see how uh, his employees have been recognized for their good work. And they realize, oh, I'm not recognized. And so they go and hang themselves. And Michael's story going a little bit too far. But it's funny that he has such a high opinion of this award ceremony that he created and hosts every year. Due to lack of recognition, I believe, was the <laughs> the reason for one hanging themselves. Right. It's just, just so, <laughs> so Michael. Yeah, it's morbid. Switching gears a little bit before we get too far into the Dundies, there's some pretty fun things that happen before the, the ceremony begins. So there are some lewd comments, we don't know what they are, written in the women's bathroom of the office. Dwight takes it upon himself to ban women from their restroom, which I don't know where he thought he got that authority. Um, but <laughs> if anybody, that would be Michael, but pretty sure that's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, none at all. Um, <laughs> it's so very Dwight in that he's clueless with how to interact with women at all. And he has almost these archaic views of women where he is saying, if you can't act like ladies, you don't get a ladies room, insinuating that there's like this standard that must be met in order to actually be considered ladies and to have the privilege of using that bathroom. Uh, that's one of my most, I don't know, cringy Dwight moments. It's just so archaic. He's clearly from an old school of thought. We, we still don't know a whole lot about Dwight outside of the office. We know he's a volunteer sheriff, deputy. Um, we know he has a beet farm. But other than that, we just have sort of assumptions based on what we've seen so far. And uh, it seems like he's just a little bit old school in a lot of respects. And I guess I just had one more thing before we delve into the ceremony themselves. Michael does his Karnak character, um, and he pulls out his his turban, which presumably has been sitting in his office for who knows how long. He just has it ready to make this joke to the camera, which is really funny to me. Anytime Michael uses a prop, it's not that often, but when he does, a part of me is like, I know it's just been sitting there waiting for you to make this joke. I think he's always prepared for something, whether it's... Uh something tucked around a corner or whether it's this comedy routine that I think is actually pretty blatantly ripped off from Johnny Carson. Right. But Michael always has something planned so that he can sort of be at the forefront of the comedy that happens in the room, I think. Well, I think that's all I had for before the Dundies. Anything for you? I don't think so. Um, there. I guess we could at least just mention that Pam has been tasked by Michael to watch the past Dundee's Awards for, quote, highlights. And she's watching, we see Oscar get this uh, Show Me the Money Award, probably just because he's an accountant. Jerry Maguire might have been a little bit more relevant at the time. And then he does this dance routine to Dwight playing Mambo Number no. 5 on the recorder. Right. <laughs> and we also see beyond that uh, the scene of Michael giving Roy and Pam this award for longest engagement. And apparently it's some sort of running joke because, hey, they've been engaged for three years, going on four. And so we see the dread that Pam has for this award coming to her again because uh, she wasn't happy about it in the past. And it's not going to change this time around a year later, still not having been married or even set a date. And Jim tries to talk Michael out of it, which is a, a nice little kind of respect almost for the Pam-Roy relationship. He's like, look, we all know it's coming. It hurts Pam. Please don't do it, which was a really nice gesture on, on his part. Yeah, and Michael actually fights it at first. He says, you know, every year that Roy and Pam don't get married, it gets funnier. Uh, which I'm not entirely sure that's how it works. <laughs> but then Jim finally knows exactly what to say to to turn Michael off of that idea. And he calls it lazy. And Michael is legitimately offended that his comedy would be called lazy. <laughs> and so he does eventually change it as we come to find out during the course of the episode. So uh, I think it is time to just dive in. Let's talk about the Dundies, the actual Dundies. Well, first things first, I think we should address Michael's just stellar emceeing for the evening <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he runs into the room to um naughty by nature's opp and he's dressed in this this white hoodie 
and he's got these cue cards from Ryan and he runs into the room and he waits on Dwight to throw him the microphone. He sort of stumbles over it and finally gets it in his hands the way he wants and resumes his dancing. And then as soon as he starts singing, he's already like a measure behind and he never catches up. <laughs> And he, he's blaming it on Ryan, but I mean, he started late. It, it's just a really absurd introduction because they're in the middle of a very public Chili's. This isn't an exclusive reserved room for this party. They're just in the middle of it. And you've got people all around staring at Michael making a fool of himself. That's the whole thing. If they'd rented out a room, like, okay, be a fool. It's fine. But they're just in the middle of a Chili's and you see the other, you know, patrons of, of the Chili's watching and just, what is this guy doing? It brings it home just a little bit because, you know, previously Michael only made a fool of himself in front of his employees. And here we are finally, Michael making himself a fool in front of everybody else. Uh, so it, it almost heightens how offensive his various comedy routines are just because these people haven't been exposed to it in the past. But I think there's also a nice moment when Michael starts to get harassed by some of the guys at the bar. That's not the nice moment. But when the office kind of rallies behind him and Michael gets discouraged and decides, you know, no, I, I, I'm done for the evening. I'm going to give one last award and, and we'll be done. And um, Pam, actually, who's fairly drunk at this point, <laughs> starts like rallying the office together and saying, no, 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 we should keep going. I didn't get one yet. I want to finish this out, which I think is kind of the first time we've seen them kind of be on Michael's side, which was a nice moment. And they kind of reference that in the commentary for this episode. They talk about how important it was to sort of change the tone of the show just a little bit so that it was more of their own thing and less of the UK versions thing. And so that Michael was a little bit more likable. So having this moment where the office really rallies up in favor of Michael was a big moment for the show. And it was almost a sort of you can make fun of your own friends, but when other people start making fun of your friends, there's a problem kind of situation. Whereas these people who see Michael day in, day out can definitely get frustrated with him and get offended by him when other people start heckling him. It's just, wait a second, we, we can do that to Michael, but you can't because you're not part of that. You're not part of the gang or part of the club or whatever you want to say. I think it's also worth noting um, that Dwight, once again, I mean, he's he's second in the office and he's second at the Dundies. He's behind the um, the keyboard with all the sound effects. And um, still Michael, I mean, he's he's helping Michael out and still Michael tries to blame a lot of things that go wrong on Dwight. He says he's sucking the funny out of the room when poor Dwight's probably just <laughs> thrilled to be helping. He is, but I would also kind of agree with Michael. There are some moments when... Michael, I would have liked to have seen where his joke was going without Dwight interrupting. Right. <laughs> Dwight's sense With of humor oh, is very yeah. matter of fact, and he doesn't really understand the nuance of Michael maybe introducing a character that doesn't exist just for the sake of a punchline. So he says something like, uh, so I was going out on this date. Uh, last night with the girl from HR. And Dwight says, there is no girl from HR. Michael said, yeah, I know, but for the story, and it, it, it's just stuff like that where- Play along. Yeah, play along. This is this is comedy. Not everything is based in reality. So Michael is still very much exasperated with Dwight a lot of the time. But we also see in a deleted scene, what well, we saw earlier in the episode where Dwight does have Dundies of some kind somewhere. He keeps it on a shelf above his bed, apparently. Yet here is Michael. And in one of the deleted scenes, he says, I actually wasn't planning on including Dwight this year. He wasn't planning on giving Dwight an award. So is this exasperation with Dwight sort of a new development? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, he's he's always seemed kind of pushing Dwight down for all of the first season and, and definitely this episode as well. I think right now, I, I don't know if, if this is a new exasperation or just Dwight taking it too far once again. I don't know what Dwight would have done that made Michael say that, but I'm not sure. He's never seemed fond of, of Dwight through this point. Not from what we've seen so far, but there have also been little hints that maybe they've hung out together outside of work in the past or stuff like that. And like I said, Dwight does have dundies of some kind from the past, Yeah. but Michael isn't so keen this time around. I, I don't know if it's just like behavior over time just becomes more grating. Who knows? Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I just wanted to mention the phone call that Michael had with Jan earlier in the episode uh, real quick because it's really funny and there's just a few lines that I wanted to mention. Yeah. First off, Jan says that 
the company's not going to be funding the party. They're not, there's not going to be a bar tab. There's not going to be anything like that. Everything's going to be paid out of pocket because they won't finance another frivolous office party. And so to, to sort of confront Jan about this, he kicks out the camera and closes the blinds, forgetting that he's still wearing his microphone because this is a documentary and everybody is mic'd. <laughs> so it, it's very easy for our camera crew to just sort of take a peek through the cracks and very clearly hear what Michael is saying on the phone. Um, and he says stuff like, uh, apparently there was an 050505 party, which only happens, according to Michael, once every billion years. Uh, forget every century, <laughs> but every billion years. It, that, that's the only time Michael's ever going to see it. Or next year, 060606. <laughs> right, for, for a very similar occurrence, or the year after that, or the year after that, and so on. <laughs> and then Jan mentions a tsunami relief fundraiser, which somehow lost a lot of money. Michael says, no, that was a fundraiser. I was very clear in the flyers. <laughs> and it, it just makes you wonder, fundraiser, what, what does that entail when you're talking about tsunami relief? Uh, I don't know. That would have been a great episode. That would have been. I, I almost wish we'd had some sort of bonus where we could uh, <laughs> see videotape of whatever Michael's antics were. What did they do? <laughs> now, jumping back to Michael and the actual Dundee's Awards, we are introduced to Ping, which is one of his most offensive characters. He, he puts on what glasses and these fake teeth and this very, very offensive Chinese accent. And he just makes a fool of himself in the middle of this restaurant. And there's this great shot of him putting on this routine. And then the camera just zooms in on a face in the background. And it's this uh, Asian-American girl. Chinese descent, probably, who just looks horrified. Like, what is this guy doing? This is crazy. I can't believe he's he's doing this in the, this public venue like this. And they address that in the commentary as well, that Steve Corral, who is obvious, I mean, he's nothing like Michael Scott. He's a really good guy, went up to that actress and, and I believe the others with her and said, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> right. sorry. And he, he really wanted them to not use this. Uh, that clip in promo material for the show. He did he, right. He didn't want it to be indicative of the <laughs> the episode as a whole. That it's just going to be Michael Scott doing this horribly racist Chinese impersonation the whole episode. Which is a really like interesting thing to think about as an actor. What am I willing to do? You know, and and separating yourself from your character. And it's like coming from an acting background, we have to do stuff that we're not always comfortable doing but it's not you doing it it's just really a odd line to have to draw for yourself and steve corral clearly was not super comfortable <laughs> with this material but he does it well <laughs> he, he does do it well it, it's funny in spite of how offensive it is and that that's really sort of a michael scott trademark i think where you can laugh but you can also be horrified at the same time and he also has a quote where uh he, he's gone backstage for a moment and he's guzzling down water and he says, it's so freaking hot in here. Now I know what Bob Hope was going through when he performed in Saudi Arabia. Because <laughs> uh, oh. that's the same thing. <laughs> Apt comparison, Michael. Standing in the middle of a Chili's doing an offensive comedy routine or performing for our military overseas in a war-torn country. <laughs> uh, to Michael. I'm sure he is Bob Hope. Close enough, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the same school of learning. Um, I would love to talk about one of my very, very favorite Pam moments, probably my very favorite Pam moment, not even a moment, really, just Pam in this whole episode is so funny. Jenna Fisher does an amazing job playing drunk, which is very difficult. And drunk Pam is just hilarious. She is. I like that she's having such a good time. There's this moment when Stanley goes up to accept his award. He gets the fine work award. Uh, and he makes a comment about how last year he got great work, so he doesn't really know what to think. And before he even gets that joke out, Pam has this like really ridiculous laugh because she thinks it's just so funny. And this is right after she has bolstered everybody into cheering for Michael and continuing the show. So she's just, when she comes back in from yelling at Roy, she takes Jim's beer and then the next time we see her, the beer is like three quarters gone. And then from then on, just about every time we see Pam in this episode, she has a different drink in her hand. So it's getting out of control fast, but we do get a lot of funny moments out of it. I mean, it's definitely not in her character. I, I really don't think. Everyone seems kind of shocked, Jim especially, at, at her behavior. But it's kind of nice to see her get out of her shell a little bit. She's so um, clammed up so much of the time. It's nice to see her let loose a little bit. It is. And I think part of it a little bit is drinking out of sorrow, I think, because she has had this fight with Roy and she comes back and 
all of a sudden it, it's drinks on. It's, it's time to get wasted. And I, I think it's a very intentional thing to, I, I don't know if she was maybe just trying to prep for the moment when she was inevitably going to get the longest engagement award again. And she wanted to be pretty far gone at that point. So it maybe hurt a little bit less. I don't know. But I get a lot of my favorite Pam quotes from this episode. Uh, there's the the one where she's slurping on the drink and Jim says, I think it's empty. And she says, no, but the ice melts. And then it's like second drink. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I've used that one before. <laughs> I think I have too. Uh, and then there's her acceptance speech when she does get the whitest sneakers award. And she goes up there and first off, she thanks her shoes because she couldn't have gotten the whitest sneakers award without her sneakers. And then she rightfully thanks Michael for being a great MC, and everybody applauds, which is very cool. And then she says, and finally, I want to thank God, because God gave me this Dundee, and I can feel God in this Chili's tonight. <laughs> and she pauses for a moment. It's this very so serious sweet. moment. And then she she lets out this huge whooping scream, like, woohoo, and uh, <laughs> heads back to her table. It's really fun. Oh, and kisses Jim on the way back. Oh, yeah. Big one. Big moment. Right on the lips. There it is. And he, oh, sweet Jim, just some of the best reactions. I mean, we see Jim give a lot of intentional reactions to the camera. Dwight will do something stupid and Jim will look at the camera like this guy, you know, but the camera caught a moment on his face or rather caught about 20 moments on his face right after she kissed him. So many thoughts clearly running through his head. It was a really nice moment there. It was. I wish we'd seen Jim get himself an award as well. I don't think he ever, I don't know if he gets a Dundee during this episode. I mean, earlier in the episode, he told Michael that he doesn't keep his Dundies out because he doesn't want to look at them and get cocky. And that was one of my favorite Jim quotes of the episode. Uh, but he's clearly lying because why would you put these anywhere unless you're Michael or you're Dwight and you have some sort of weird sense of care about them? But he's having a great time. He's enjoying spending time with Pam. He's enjoying laughing with Pam. This is probably one of the first times, if not the very first time, it's just been the two of them outside of the office having a good time together without Roy there to bust anybody's fun. You know, even in the previous Dundies that Pam was watching earlier, Pam was sitting at a separate table with Roy and Jim was sitting at the opposite table to her back. So, I mean, they weren't even interacting then. So I, I wonder, truly wonder how many times up to this point they've had the, the chance to just hang out like this. A lot of potential there, but as we see at the end of the episode, um, Pam starts to maybe want to talk to Jim about something important, presumably her feelings, or at least that's what we're all hoping. And she sees that the camera's on her and clams up again and says, never mind. And I think we're all kind of wondering what she would have said if she didn't notice the cameras. I think she just says, I just wanted to say thanks, uh, I guess, just for a good time hanging out. Not being Roy, uh, that's a pretty good thing to thank Jim for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not being my fiance. It's just a painful relationship. But good on her for standing up to Roy in the first place, where he, he gets tired of Michael very, very early on. And he says, let's go without asking, you no know, care as to what she might think, whether she wants to stay. And she addresses that. She says, hey, if, if you had asked me, then you would have known that I didn't want to go. And so she goes back inside and plop right down with Jim. So good for her. Good for her. Now, I thought we could just mention a lot of the awards that were handed out during the episode. Oscar didn't get one during this Dundies. But as I said earlier, he did get the Show Me the Money award at the previous Dundies. And it's funny. I think we get the first talking head for Oscar, unless I'm misremembering. It's in this episode. And he says... You know, the Dundies are sort of just like a kid's birthday party. You go and there's not really anything for you to do, but the kid's having a great time. So you're just sort of there. <laughs> it's a great description for what this thing ends up being. And like I said, I think it's the first talking head we get from Oscar. I think you're right. I can't remember another one before this. Yeah. And then Phyllis gets the busiest beaver award, which unfortunately <laughs> has the typo of bushiest beaver. We won't dive into that one. <laughs> but at least I think Michael, Michael does seem pretty genuine about it being a mistake. I, I don't think that was intentional whatsoever. I don't think he would have been able to keep a straight face if it was. He said, oh, you don't have to display that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> which is like a double entendre in itself. Oh, you know, I that one was lost on me. Oh, darn. <laughs> but Phyllis is a good sport about it and uh, goes back to her seat without putting up a fight. So that's good. 
Ryan gets the sexiest in the office award. <laughs> he gets the sexiest in the office award. And Michael, when he's announcing this award, he's got uh, You Sexy Thing by, I think, Hot Chocolate playing. I think that's the name of the band. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. And the, the camera pans around and there's lights going off and we, we, the camera goes to a couple of the women because you would assume Michael being a man would give sexiest in the office award to a woman just the way those things normally go. And he gives it to Ryan. And it's sort of the very first seeds of this sort of man crush that Michael seems to have for Ryan uh, following this. And he, like, makes him grab the award and pulls it away and, like, kind of flirts with him. And it's <laughs> he just, slaps his butt oh. as he walks off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Ryan just, oh, he's mortified. <laughs> and he has a talking head as well. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I, I don't know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he's very uncomfortable because he's still the new guy at this point. I, I don't know how much time has passed since the pilot, but I mean, he's still the temp. He's still not part of the real Dunder Mifflin family. I, I can't imagine too much time has passed because there was actually a deleted scene, I think, where Jim says something about the downsizing. So if the downsizing is still on the table and hasn't really happened yet, I, I would assume that it's only been a few months at the most. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Uh, other awards that go out, Angela gets the tight-ass award because she's such a stickler. And according to Michael, she also has a great caboose. And she just refuses to go get the award. She says, nope, I'm just going to stay up here at my table, continue eating my food. And uh, you can have fun down there <laughs> offending everybody. Right. <laughs> we get um, the Spicy Curry Award to Kelly. And Kelly kind of combats it for a second. She goes, Spicy Curry, what does that mean? Michael's like, oh, it doesn't mean anything, you know, it's just an award. She goes, yeah, but but why'd you give it to me? Clearly, it's because Kelly is Indian, and he's not going to admit that to her. <laughs> and he didn't even give her a uh, businessman, Dundee, because it's like a little statue and uh, has a businessman on the top. But they ran out, so she got a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any sort of significance to that at all. I think it's just... <laughs> I'm not sure that there is, but it's just... It, different, yeah, it's funny. She's just like, why, why, why all this for me? <laughs> <laughs> and then Kevin gets the Don't Go In There After Me award for this time that Michael f- followed Kevin into the bathroom after he had left, and it smelled really bad, so he got an award for it. <laughs> and the figure on top is like this weightlifting athlete, and so he's actually squatting on top of the trophy. <laughs> oh, it's probably the best physical trophy. I think so, too. And uh, everybody is in good spirits at that point, because that it's right after Michael hands out that award sort of half-heartedly, because he thinks the awards are over and they're about to leave. That Pam stands up and says, "Hey, no, we want to continue. I want to get, I want to get my own award. Yay, Kevin for stinking up the bathroom!" And <laughs> Stanley makes a joke about it when he accepts his award next. And it, it's really just the award that puts everybody back in a good mood, even though Kevin doesn't know quite what to think. He sort of chuckles over it a little bit later. I believe that's all the awards that were given out. Of course, yes, uh, Stanley got fine work. There's a deleted scene where Toby admits he's never been awarded a Dundee, but he's more than okay with that. I think that's kind of all the Dundies for this year. Yeah, and at the end of the episode, Pam falls out of her chair and gets them kicked out of Chili's as Dwight strips off his shirt to try and make a pillow for her, I guess. And the manager's not very happy about any of this. And it's funny, during this episode, Pam was originally written to vomit at some point. And Chili's, who they only had sort of a a spoken agreement with at this point, nothing was in contract for allowing them to film there, started to back out. They weren't happy with how what these characters were getting away with inside of a Chili's. They didn't think it framed the company in a good light. And Steve Carell, hero to the rescue, steps in and he comes up with this idea of having the manager address the situation and actually bans Pam Beasley from the restaurant chain forever. And uh, I thought it'd be funny to at least just mention that that ban was lifted as of last year. Thank you, Chili's. I saw that on Twitter, right? Yeah. Jenna Fisher uh, tweeted a picture of her outside of a Chili's and said, should I try to go in? And Chili's released an official response saying that due to her good behavior over the past 11 years, this person is no longer banned from our restaurants. Uh, so Pam is officially at this point unbanned from Chili's. And I felt fine saying that because it's really not addressed at any point during the rest of the show. So There there are some Chili's references, which is funny because um, there isn't actually a Chili's in Scranton. 
And they talk about how close it is to the office, and that's why they go there and everything. But there isn't actually one. So that's a little fun fact. I, I have a friend who is from Scranton. He lives in New York now. Um, he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And he confirmed, no chilies in Scranton. Which is funny because a lot of the time, the like Poor Richards, I think, is an actual location in Scranton. Right. And a lot of the places they do mention within the context of the show actually exist in Scranton. So it's funny that Chili's would be the one place that doesn't. I wonder what drew them to Chili's. Why, why choose there to film? But I'm glad they did because otherwise we wouldn't have the line, I feel God in this Chili's tonight, which I know <laughs> is one of our favorites. Yes, it is. Um, at the end of the episode, after Pam has gotten banned from the Chili's, Everybody's walking out. Everybody's in good spirits. Pam is hugging everybody. And even Michael is in a good mood. And he compliments Dwight on doing good with the sound. And it's just a really nice moment where this this guy who's been exasperated with Dwight so much these past several episodes, including in this one, he's in a good enough mood at the end of it that he actually compliments Dwight on doing a good job, which, it, it like I said, it's a nice moment. That is nice. And Dwight has this smug little look on his face um, looking at Ryan because there's this sort of unspoken, at least until this point, this unspoken rivalry between them. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see these, you know, these glances between the two of them. And when Michael compliments Dwight, he looks over at Ryan like, haha, which makes no sense. But <laughs> I think Dwight might be a little bit jealous of Michael's little man crush on, on Ryan. Yeah, it's kind of a one-way rivalry where it's not both Ryan and Dwight are vying for Michael's affection. It's Ryan already has Michael's affection, and Dwight desperately wants Michael's affection, so he's trying to sort of push Ryan out of the limelight so that he can stand in it. Well, are there any more deleted scenes that we didn't sort of fit into the normal discussion that you just wanted to mention? There was one that didn't really fit in, but I thought it was worth addressing because it was a fun Angela moment, where Dwight at the beginning of the episode, presumably, is... um trying to figure out what was written and who wrote on the woman's restroom wall. And he interrogates Angela, and Angela says she won't talk about it because she doesn't discuss what happens in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, that's not what he's asking <laughs> no. you. He's asking you what's on the wall, but okay. She's just so proper. When Dwight clarifies exactly what he's asking, I just want to know what's on the wall. I want to know what the writing says. We at least know it's vulgar enough that Angela doesn't want to repeat it, which is to say that it may not be very vulgar at all. (laughs) Right. It can be anything, really. It's just on the bathroom wall. That's vulgar enough. And then actually, we learn in the episode itself that Pam wrote whatever it was on the bathroom wall. We still don't know what it was, but we know that Pam wrote it. Yeah, I, I didn't mention it much before because I don't really know how much significance it holds. But I, I guess that Pam was just sort of frustrated with getting the longest engagement award again. I think that's really what she was dreading about this night more than anything else. She thought it was unfair. And it's more of a frustration for Roy than for anything else. But because Michael makes a joke out of it every year, she was about to have to sit through that. Then she just thought she'd exact her revenge in some small way on the bathroom wall. Yeah, makes sense. A couple deleted scenes I wanted to mention. There's one where Michael and Jim are in Michael's office trying to brainstorm ideas for Kevin's Dundee. And so Michael says, he's an accountant. What else do we know about him? And Jim says, well, he plays guitar. He's interested in naval history. He's a bowler. And Michael interrupts that and says, he's fat. Jim just says well clearly you have this under control and just sort of walks out like if you're going to completely disregard any legitimate joke points that I have for you and go for the easy comedy then I'll just leave you to it I don't think Michael was that interested in coming up with uh, some original material I think he just wanted to make the obvious joke and then there's a scene where Kelly and Oscar go up to Michael and they try and get him to stop the offensive characters for the night especially Ping Uh, And Michael reveals that Ping really may not, well, I don't want to say not that racist because it is, but it's not like he's doing a stereotype necessarily. He says it's exactly how this Chinese delivery guy he has talks. So the racist part of it comes from he's a white guy doing the impression of this Chinese person. But in drawing from stereotypes, it doesn't really seem like he's doing that. He's really just imitating this person he knows in real life. Right. There was one deleted scene from the Dundies that I thought was funny where Michael and Dwight actually try and bait out a confession from the women on who wrote the the, <laughs> the writing on the wall. And it's uh, the most creative writing on the ladies room wall award. And he wants to give it to whoever wrote it. So he says, anybody, anybody? 
No. I want to claim this. <laughs> right. Well, geez, do I? Thanks. Good idea. And uh, do I just re- <laughs> upset that it didn't work? <laughs> As far as commentary goes, we sort of already put in our thoughts on the commentary and what we got from the commentary into the episode. So if you want any more from that, definitely go check out the episode on DVD. Uh, Now, what about our discussion topic for this one? Well, I thought it would be fun to talk about what Dundee Michael would have awarded you. I also provided you with a BuzzFeed article, which audience I will provide you with as well. I took the quiz and I kind of came up with my own as well. So let's see. What did you have, Chad? Well, believe it or not, I got hottest in the office. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm a little bit more grateful than I think Ryan was his first time around. But uh, <laughs> I, I still don't know what to think. That's okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably nothing. With the uh, quiz, I got the tight ass award, which um, I'm going to probably lean towards more at the side of I'm a stickler. Uh, because the, the the one I was going to give myself before I took the quiz was that I am freakishly early to everything. Like, I would be that person that showed up, like, 45 minutes before work started every day, because I do that now. So I'm sure he'd make some joke about, like, I don't know, some quirky part of my personality like that. Yeah, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into what I would get outside of what the quiz told me. Um, well, you'd probably be like the the podcast guy. I don't the, know. The podcast guy or the, yeah. <laughs> the old music guy or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that fit me, I suppose. And like I said, uh, listeners, I'll, I'll post that quiz. It's kind of fun to see. Um, and there are some, I, I took it a couple of times with just different responses. And there were some that weren't given in the episode. So they were just made up dundies. So oh, really? a fun. Yeah. See, I... I actually did take it twice, but the first time gave me a an award from a future episode of the show. So I was like, oh, ah, okay. let me change that just a little bit. spoil that one. And yeah. Yeah. But still, hottest in the office. It's, it's official. Well, let's go ahead and transition into our next episode discussion. Our next episode is Sexual Harassment. It aired on September 27th of 2005, was directed by Ken Quapis, who directed the first two episodes of the show, I believe and was written by B.J. Novak, a.k.a. Ryan Howard. What was this episode about? So, in sexual harassment, the CFO of Dunder Mifflin has stepped down due to sexual harassment. So, corporate asks Michael and presumably other branch managers to review the company's sexual harassment policy and just give a brief presentation. Michael takes this to mean that he is in trouble with corporate for his often inappropriate email forwards. So, Toby takes over the sexual harassment mini-seminar, and Pam reminds everyone that since her mom is coming in today, to be sure to keep the sexual harassment to a minimum. Um, Corporate then arrives in Scranton later in the day, just to clarify, and Michael's upset that the cracking down on the policy means the end of his email forwarding. Michael vows never to make another joke again, and the episode uh, concludes mostly with Jim immediately provoking him to break that promise. Yeah, so basically this whole time, Michael thinks he's in trouble, and he's really not. Nope, but we meet Todd Packer in this episode. We do, finally. He's here, and he is just as offensive as imagined. Everything he does is offensive, (laughs) or or rude, or both, right? It is nonstop. Nothing this guy says can be taken well in a public situation whatsoever. Just the worst day for your mom to come to work. (laughs) Oh, it is for sure. And it really (laughs) makes me wonder, you know, Michael is not out there to hurt anybody's feelings. Most of the time he does it. But a lot of the time I do think it's unintentional to a certain extent. But he still has this strange friendship with Todd Packer. He calls them BFFs. Like it's that close. They, They grew up together in sales. And he just considers him to be really close friends. But I I just wonder, what does he see in him? Is there some sort of perceived coolness because of what Packer says he's done and how brave, I guess, he is to be so offensive all the time? I don't know. It's really curious to imagine what Michael gets from this relationship, much like Dwight from Michael or Pam from Roy, right? There's these, these pairings in the show where you wonder... What is that relationship really like? And now we see Michael and Todd, and it's it's not that great. Todd, I think, as I think they mentioned in the commentary, Michael is just an audience for him, kind of like Dwight is to Michael. Laughs at all of his jokes, you know, is always there when you need him, but I don't think Todd gets much out of Michael's presence. 
Yeah, I think that's probably right. And remember, we talked in basketball when uh, they talked on the phone together. Michael was trying to get him to come to the basketball game, and Packer was like, "Hey, you don't. You only come to one of our pickup games a year." So maybe you're right. Packer doesn't himself get a lot from that relationship, but it is very much one way. In fact, there's this one story that Michael tells. It's the very first story he tells where the two of them met a set of twins and they pretended to be brothers and they went back to the hotel room. And you think you knew where this story was going until Michael says that he watched Packer have sex with both of them. Not sharing, (laughs) but Michael still thought it was awesome. So I don't know. It's an enigma to me what Michael gets from this relationship. You'd think he'd be like annoyed. Oh, I was supposed to, you know, get one of the girls. But no, it was awesome that Todd got both of them. I hadn't actually drawn that parallel between Michael and Todd and Dwight and Michael, but it's really very similar. Yeah, Michael is certainly less extreme than Todd, but it's a very similar give and take relationship or take and take. Yeah, take and take. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. And Michael even defends Packer, too. At the end of the episode, when Packer makes a rude comment about a woman's looks and then points at Phyllis, Michael doesn't get upset with Todd for pointing at Phyllis. He gets upset with Kevin, who actually says Phyllis's name aloud after Todd points. So, again, there's nothing that Todd can do wrong in Michael's eyes. I'd like to point out, regarding Michael, how this whole day is supposed to be about how we should be watching, you know, our sexual comments around the office. And so Michael goes down to the warehouse to try to get some sexual jokes to prove to the office that it's still fun. And then the 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 warehouse workers then sexually harass Michael and he gets really uncomfortable, <laughs> which should tell him <laughs> that it's not fun for everyone. Right, because his jokes are so often at everybody else's expense. So once once they're at his expense, yeah. It's not so fun anymore, is it? And he doesn't catch on to that, I guess. I guess not. It's funny, Michael has this quote where he says, there is no such thing as an appropriate joke. That's why it's a joke. So it's a, a glimpse into what Michael's sense of humor really is really like. He he thinks that joke equals offensive or joke equals pushing the boundaries when really it's it doesn't have to go that far. It can be as simple as a knock-knock or as tapping somebody on the opposite shoulder and being on the other one or whatever. It doesn't have to be this this whole affair where you make a joke at somebody else's expense and... When he is finally on the receiving end of that, he is not happy. Which should have been a a little lesson, but that would have been expecting too much, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Not from Michael. And so he spends the whole episode thinking he's in trouble. He rebels against Toby, so he gets some more Michael-Toby hate in this episode. In fact, he he gives that great quote in this episode where he says, Toby's in HR, which technically means he works for corporate, so he's really not a part of our family. Also, he's divorced, so he's really not a part of his family. (laughs) I love that Toby Michael hate. I always feel bad for the guy, but it makes me laugh. So, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then he fights against Jan because Jan comes over with this lawyer and he thinks he's in trouble with the lawyer now. And so he calls this billboard lawyer guy. Think like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman, that guy. Mm -hmm. He shows up and Jan says, what are you thinking, Michael? Mr. O'Malley, this guy that I brought in right here is our corporate lawyer. And all of a sudden, Michael thinks, oh, wow, I am the baddest guy in town. I'm the rebelling one. But don't worry, because I got a lawyer hired by my bosses to protect me. And uh, it goes to his head. I think that was a, a nice Pam moment. Well, actually, not a very nice Pam moment. It was a kind of a gutsy Pam moment, which I liked between Pam and Todd. It was just a little moment. But she finally, we kind of hear her stand up to Todd. He comes in after Ryan has been driving him around all day, and Todd says to Pam, don't let this one drive you around, he'll get you lost for half an hour. And Pam says to Todd, well, I don't have any DUIs, so I can drive myself, but thanks. (laughs) Which is just (laughs) the nicest little succinct clapback for Pam. I mean, she was just so plenty polite, but a little sting, too. It was just, I'm fine, I can drive myself, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot, too. And then speaking of Packer getting driven around, we see his license plate. And it's really a sign of the times. This was truly 2005 when his license plate, it's W-L-H-U-N-G. So his intention, well hung. But everybody else assumes William hung because in season three, believe it or not, of American Idol was when William hung was on and sang uh, She Bangs by Ricky Martin extremely poorly and became sort of a cultural phenomenon at the time. Again, sign of the times. This was very much 2005. 
And that that joke was <laughs> relevant the way it was. And Todd Packer has no idea who William Hung is, so he gets really confused every time somebody asks that question. <laughs> but it's a good joke nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, he, he has his own interpretation of what his license plate means. So when somebody throws in something else and it's always the same thing, it's certainly confusing. Who is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Another nice, um, well, it's not really a Pam moment, but it's dealing with Pam. Jim is really excited to meet Pam's mom when she comes in, which is kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, I mean, they could just be friends, but we know Jim wants to really meet Pam's mom. And Pam's mom, thinking that Jim can't hear her, asks, okay, so which one's Jim? And she does that right after Roy has left the office. So Roy comes in, hugs Pam's mom. How are you? Cool. I'll go get the car started. And immediately Pam's mom asks, okay, so which one's Jim? Which is just clearly, you know, Pam talks to her mom a lot about about Jim, which is interesting. I, I wouldn't have guessed that until watching this episode, you know? It's definitely a small victory for Jim. Uh, and he gives this very slight smile from his desk without looking up. I, I, I like that a lot. And it's always one of those real sweet moments where you know that Pam does care a lot about Jim. And we sort of have validation from Pam's mom herself. Really, this whole episode is mostly just about Michael. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of extra side stuff that happens in this episode. But Dwight has a moment at the beginning where he has this monkey sex video. And he shows it to Michael, hoping that it's forward worthy. Because that's that's one thing that Michael is really fighting to not lose, his email forwards. He he says, you have to understand, I don't come up with this stuff. I just forward it along. And then he pauses and does this really f- funny like hand motion. Like, I, I give it out. I, I throw it out there. And uh, then he says, you wouldn't arrest a guy who's delivering drugs to other guys. <laughs> yes, very illegal still. Yeah, you, you would, Michael, but okay. Uh, but when Dwight shows him that monkey sex video, he, he's really hoping for Michael's approval. And then later after the seminar that Toby gives about sexual harassment, oh, poor Toby, Dwight comes up to him and starts asking very detailed questions about the female anatomy. And Toby very says <laughs> he has no idea how to respond in the moment. And he says, I'm just sad the public school system failed him so badly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then I believe, I mean, it's kind of hinted that he kind of sits down with Dwight and gives him some answers, but to a certain extent, I don't think he's going to go too far into detail. No. All right. So I think that's pretty much all of our um, character moments, character interactions for this episode. What about funny moments for you? And what did you have? I've listed a few of them just real quick. There's Michael calling them. He, he says the office is like friends and he is both Chandler and Joey. Pam is Rachel. And then he blanks and says, Dwight is Kramer. Uh, wrong 90s sitcom, Michael, but close enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> close enough. Very popular, but wrong one. But yeah, I, I wouldn't see Dwight fitting into any of the cast of Friends. So Kramer's probably closest. <laughs> right. I, I have lots of Michael moments li- written down. Like I said, it was really nice watching these two episodes uh, where I was finally able to put down a lot of Michael moments that genuinely made me laugh right. and weren't overly cringeworthy. So I'm not going to go over all of them. We did have our very first That's What She Said in this episode. Yes, we did. That's very notable. It is, and it's such an easy joke because it fits in so many ways. That's what she said. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of this joke that went around when I was in middle school that was very similar People would say in bed in the same way. So blah, 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 in bed. It was the same connotation, basically. Would you add that? Okay, so in bed with my group of friends was always adding it to the end of your fortune cookie. Oh, really? I I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, you'll have to try that next time you get takeout. They're always good. There's never a bad one. (laughs) Jim has this great moment where Michael has come out and he said, thanks to what corporate is telling me, I will no longer be a comedian. I'm giving up. And I will no longer make jokes in the office. I am strictly your boss. And Jim says, does that include that's what she said? Wow, that is really hard. You think you can go all day long? You always left me satisfied and smiling. And Michael gives in. He shouts, that's what she said. And he blows kisses as he's dragged back into the office. (laughs) My favorite part. But with each of those jokes, you could add in bed at the end. You think you can go all day long in bed? Or you always left me satisfied and smiling. In bed. That was, the, that was the way we used it when I was in middle school. Gotcha. What f- other funny moments do you have? Michael addresses Stanley's um, picture that he has on his oh, desk. No. Says that <laughs> it's, um, you know, this hot Catholic school girl that he keeps there to look at because it makes him happy. 
Stanley very angrily reminds Michael that that is his daughter. She goes to Catholic girls' school, and I'm going to take it down right now. <laughs> Michael says oh. it is the best part of my morning when I see it. And uh, <laughs> nope, nope, that is not okay with Stanley. Nope, that is nope, gone. That's that's going away right now. Ugh. <laughs> but I think we addressed the rest of mine, the rest of the big ones. There were so many, like you said, that it would be impossible to name all of them. But even you know, once again, Michael's doing stuff that is uh, inappropriate, but. He's still much more likable this season, as we saw in the Dundies. He is. Uh, like, there was the the joke he makes about the Lady of the Night, $5, uh, crabs versus expecting lobster. He says, this is what's at stake. I thought that was really funny. And yeah. <laughs> bringing in the sex doll, the fact that he brings in this this inflatable doll on sexual harassment day, wearing only underwear and no bra, uh, it's just, wow, Michael, look what you've brought yourself to. This is a day to avoid that specific kind of behavior. And yet here you are bringing it into the office. Now, deleted scenes, as far as those go, there's only like three minutes of deleted scenes from this one, which was pretty surprising. Yeah, it was short. The big one that I took away from was Jim and Dwight. Jim starts to take a sip from a soda can. And Dwight says, wait, Jim, I read online that they're shipped by the same company as a rat poison and it gets on the can. And Jim sort of shrugs and just takes a sip instead and says, you know, I live a dangerous life. And Dwight says, well, you're an idiot. (laughs) And then we cut to (laughs) Dwight in the break room and he gets a soda from the machine and he handles it with a while wearing a rubber glove. And then he goes over to the water cooler and he (laughs) runs it under the hot water, I guess, to sort of sterilize it. And instead, he basically burns himself with the hot water because he doesn't have any sort of controlled environment to do it. So he just gets hot water all over his hands and drops the soda. Yeah, and it's funny because he uses his non-gloved hand to hold the soda under the hot (laughs) water. (laughs) And then he uses the gloved hand to go to the tap. Yeah, not very smart. I think my favorite deleted scene was um, kind of a simple one, but it was Pam and Michael Presumably at the beginning of the day, Michael comes up to Pam and asks something about the office. I'm not sure. Administrative stuff. And Pam says, Michael, you look really nice today. And he is taken aback. He goes, oh. And she says, yeah, you you look good. You look thin. And he's, oh, handsome thin or, or bad thin? And I, I can't remember his wording exactly. But Pam is like, it's okay, Michael. You look handsome thin. And he just does not know how to take a real compliment. He gets giddy. I mean, he's just so happy that finally someone paid him a, a nice compliment. Uh, thin, weird, or thin, handsome? Thin, weird, or thin, handsome. That was it, yeah. Yeah. The only other deleted scene I wrote down was they had like this compilation of what I would assume was improv. Michael in his office complaining about Toby. <laughs> so it it shows him complaining about Toby and then skip another scene of him complaining about Toby. And it was like they, they compiled these and then we're just going to use the best in the episode. So my favorite one, I think, was when he said, it's almost like a girl's name. I think I've known more girls named Toby than guys. And I was just thinking, no, you, no, no way. No. I don't know if I know any girls named Toby. Michael's just no. trying to badmouth Toby in any way he can. I like the one where Michael suggested that it was really embarrassing that Toby gets alimony from his ex-wife because she makes more money. He goes, well, that would never happen with me. And he adds on, well, because I would have made the marriage work. (laughs) (laughs) Like, first of all, if your wife makes more than you, it's not embarrassing. And there's no guarantee you can make your marriage work. I mean, that's just, I don't know. Like, he's insinuating that Toby, like, is less capable of holding together a family than Michael is. As far as the commentary goes, I didn't have really anything to note from the commentary, except it was fun. Because we got some new voices on there for the first time. We had Melora Hardin, who plays Jan. Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin. Angela Kinsey as Angela. And Oscar Nunez as Oscar. So lots of new voices. Really, this commentary was a lot of them just saying, oh, I I really like this part coming up. Let's listen and laugh, which is fine with me, to be honest. Yeah, it's fun to listen to. Yeah, a couple tidbits we did get was uh, there were lots of jokes about how there's really nothing to hate about Toby. He's good at his job. He's likable. It's just Michael who seems to have a problem. And then uh, this episode actually had a parental advisory aired at the start of it uh, because of the inclusion of the word boner at the end of the episode, which when Packer sort of makes Phyllis feel real bad by pointing at her, insinuating she doesn't have a good body, Michael comforts her, says, you know, I, I think I think Phyllis is very attractive. 
And uh, the only thing I'm worried about, he's hugging her and Phyllis says, oh, you don't have to worry about me, Michael. I'm fine. I'm not going to report you to HR. Michael says, the only thing I'm worried about is getting a boner. And Michael, you took it too far. Once again, you did it. Mm -hmm. And everybody, he stands up. Everybody's just sort of sitting there awkwardly. And he walks back to his office without anybody else reacting, really. (laughs) Uh, But that, that got the episode of Parental Advisory. So interesting that they were able to include... Uh, details of the the female anatomy, but the word boner is taboo. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't have too much else to say about the commentary. Um, A fun little note, I guess, is if you watch Jan in this episode, she is playing a whole lot with her phone. And that's because the props team gave her a uh, a razor, a Motorola razor phone, which at this time it was brand new, um, all the hype, and she couldn't stop playing with it. Uh, and so her hands were just busy the whole time. Which was kind of funny. Oh, man. I remember when the razor was popular. Oh, yes. (laughs) I had one in my time. I did, too. Uh, Of course, now that's like archaic and clunky. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Hard to believe. But it was cool. Well, as for our discussion topic for this episode, something a little bit different. I've got a little bit of a game. And I don't know how well it's going to work. But we're going to try it out. I have sitting next to me a stack of books. Eight books high. Uh, varying from children's fiction to celebrity nonfiction to classic literature. <laughs> it's it's really a hodgepodge of different kinds of books. What we're going to do with these is, Katie, I want you to give me a number, one through eight. So that's going to be one at the top, eight on the bottom, and I'm going to pick that book in the order. And then you're going to say a page number, and I'm going to flip to that page, and I'm going to see if there's anything on that page that makes a good that's what she said joke. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, it, it may work. It may not. Uh, but we'll try it three or four times and see if we get at least one thing that's pretty funny from this. So uh, how about we get started? Okay. Book six. Okay. Book six. Let's see. What are we reading here? This is the US release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh, yes. I'm actually <laughs> reading that right now. Ooh, excellent. So what page number am I going to? Page 394. (laughs) Okay, a very Harry Potter number. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome. For a second, I was worried that there wouldn't be one, but that's a very long book, so I'm sure there is one. (laughs) Yes, there is. See, this is in chapter 20, Xenophilius Lovegood. I just read that chapter. Stop. This is getting creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so very top of the page, Hermione says, I want to go and talk to him, which that's about the best, the best, that's what she said line <laughs> that can be given. That's what she right. said. I want to go and talk to him. That's what she said. That's okay. We'll, we'll set that one aside. What's the next number? Uh, book two. We've got Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. All right. Um, page 75. Page 75. Hmm. Mildred shrieked with laughter in the hall. No, that doesn't really work with that's what it's she said. close. <laughs> but no. Some of these are better with your in bed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I'm not angry. Yeah. I sit here and know I'm alive. Uh, nothing really good from that one. Let's go to the next one. Book um, five. So this is the UK release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> <laughs> go, I thought it'd be funny to go earlier both. in the book. <laughs> yes, perfect. Page 104. Okay, 104. Very well, then, together. <laughs> hey, okay. That's, <laughs> that works pretty well. Yeah, that, that's probably the best one so far. Um, probably the best one. Okay, well, let's try one more. One more, see if we get a, uh, a good one. Book one. So this should be interesting. You've chosen In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Okay. <laughs> yes. Page 203. Mm, the closest would be... Oh, well... I, I could use half a sentence for this one. Yeah, do that. He fell wet and breathless. Oh, that's our winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There <well>. it is. <laughs> we didn't know how that would turn out. It, it wasn't too bad. Not too bad. I don't know. How about everybody out there take your own books, maybe use our page numbers, use different page numbers, see if you can maybe just grab a book next to you and flip to a random page and send us your best. That's what she says from your books. Please do. I think that wraps up episode four of An American Workplace. Yeah, I think so. I'm glad to be in season two. And the first two episodes are pretty good ones. So we got a a full season ahead of us this time, not just six episodes. There's 
24, 25. There's quite a few. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be in season two for a little while, but that's A-OK with me. Contact for the show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. Please, again, go to iTunes, write and review and even subscribe to help us out. If you have feedback or if you ideas or you just want to share any of your thoughts on the show, uh, email us at workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A and facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. Show notes and all contact information can be found at workplacepodcast.com. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on Episode 4 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in Episode 5 for our discussion on the next two episodes of Season 2, Office Olympics, and The Fire. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> I'm hitting stop. <laughs>